Today on Abounding Grace. Some of you today need a second chance. Your marriage is falling apart. Your life is in tatters. You've made some very wrong decisions that have led you down a path that you're not happy with. Maybe you find yourself addicted to drugs. Perhaps you're trapped as an alcoholic. Maybe none of these devastating things are in your life today. However, you're looking at episodes in your life that you wish you could change. And today is the day you can change. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Hello again, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've all said and done things in life that we later regret, and at times we wish there was a do-over button we could press. Today we'll be encouraged by this. God loves to give second chances, and we see one example after another of that in the Bible. So if you've blown it big time and wondering where to go from there, turn with us to John chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 11. And let's hear how to embrace God's second chance. Take your Bibles, would you, and open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you want to get ahead, we'll also be in the gospel of John. Hebrews chapter 11 and John chapter 3 in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, Embrace God's Second Chance. By faith, embrace God's second chance. You know, as I was teaching last week, we were introduced, remember, to Moses' parents. And we were introduced to the midwives and Moses' sister and Moses' mom. And the big takeaway from our time together last time, well, a big takeaway, there were a few takeaways, but the big one was that as parents, as grandparents, even as uncles and aunts of nieces and nephews and cousins, as adults, as parents, we are not giving our kids to Egypt. And we declared loudly, Egypt can't have our kids. We're not giving our kids to Egypt. We're not just relegating this world and this culture which Egypt becomes a type and a picture. Just like Moses' parents decided not to give their son over to Pharaoh, the midwives decided not to give that baby boy born over to Pharaoh, we too have to make that decision not to give our kids to this world, not to just abandon our kids, to make it on their own, and they'll figure it out along the way. I've got to go in my career. I've got to go handle my hobbies. I've got other things to do than raising my kids. No, you have one job, parent. You and I have one job, and that's to get our kids to heaven, to deposit the gospel in their hearts, both by teaching and by example, because we learn that more is caught than taught among our kids. And we left here with that sense of, yes, we are the primary discipler. We are the primary teacher of our children with one job. And it was after first service, after first service that I felt the Lord speaking to me that in the heaviness, Saturday night was heavy, first service was heavy, 
this service was heavy, but before even this service, I felt the Lord saying, Ed, next week I want you to remind my church that I'm the God of the second chance, that there are second chances with me, specifically for the parents that look at their lives and wonder if they could do it over or that they can have another chance. I felt like God saying, put together a message that speaks about how I reveal myself as the God of the second chance. And I want to encourage you today by faith to take that second chance from God, that God is available to you today, that it is never too late to decide to follow him. You know, you really, we've had ingrained in us The grace of God reminds us, even culturally to some degree, this culture loves the underdog, loves to fight for those that have fallen to get up. And you know, we have that sense where when you see someone struggling and you see those that are undervalued, you see those that are bullied, you see those taken advantage of, you see those that are underrated, you see those that have prejudice against them, you see those that are forgotten, you have that sense where you want to see them win, you want to see them overcome, you want to see them get back up. Like the Bible says, though a man falls seven times, what? rise again. And we're like, yes, get up. It's almost like we're the coach in the corner of the boxer that just got punched out and is knocked on their back. And you're in the corner. You're not yelling, stay down, stay down. But rather, as believers, we're like, get up. You can make it. Get up. Let's do this together. And that's the God of the second chance. We're not happy when you fall. We're not happy when you fail. But rather, we want to see you get up and get back into the race or get back into the good fight of faith. We don't want you to to get right up to the edge of sin. We don't want you to live life on the edge. Like I do on the stage sometimes. You know, people are looking, oh no, he's going to fall off. He's going to fall off because I'll get right up to the edge. I'll even put my foot across the edge here feeling where I'm at. You go, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? No, you don't want to live life like that. You don't want this edge of the stage to represent sin in your life to see how close you can get to it before you fall off. But rather, in any church that's teaching the Bible, any church that is honoring God, you're going, to be, you're going to be in a place where the pulpit is filled with a man who teaches you to stay away from sin, who begs you, don't do it. You'll regret it. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin the people that love you. It, it will hurt you. It will harm you. Not only will we beg you not to, we'll warn you of the devastating effects of sinful behavior. We'll warn you to say, don't go there. And even then, on the other side, we'll also tell you that if you've fallen, God is able to get you back up. If you failed, you can get get up again. I mean, think about Hebrews chapter 11. Everybody's in Hebrews 11 by this event that highlights their faith. By faith, by faith. I mean, you think about it as you look through. You got by faith, Abel. Abel wasn't a perfect man. By faith, Enoch wasn't a perfect man. By faith, Noah. It's recorded for us that he wasn't a perfect man. Boy, Abraham made some serious sinful mistakes. By faith, Sarah. Sarah laughed at God when God gave her a promise. She's in there. You think of Isaac and all the mistakes that he made. Jacob. Listen, one of the greatest mistakes, sinful mistakes that Jacob made was as a dad. He played favorites. He let things go. And yet he makes it into the hall of faith. Joseph, we don't have anything negative recorded for us in Scripture of Joseph, but he was a man born in sin. We know he had his issues too. And you can go on. Even Moses' parents, as they were highlighted last week, they weren't perfect. And so here you have a Bible filled with failure and mistakes 
and stumblings. But you know, the Bible is not about the people in the Bible. The Bible is not a book about you and not a book about me. It's not a book about Abraham. It's not a book about Moses or his parents or Sarah or Isaac or Jacob. The Bible is about God, first and foremost. You'll never get the bearings in your life until you understand who God is. Jesus was very clear that the object of our life should be love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. It's that order. A lot of times you look at the Bible and, and you might even read it like it's all about you. No, it's actually not about you at all. It's about God as he relates to you in relationship. And does it apply to your life? For sure. Does it give direction for your life? Absolutely. But you'll never understand this book until you're born again. Until you have a right relationship with God. It will just be another book on the shelf and not give you the life-giving strength that it gives to believers and followers of Jesus Christ. When you look at the failures in your own life, perhaps you're like me where you're just like, like, like answer this out loud, right? Would it, wouldn't it be great if you could just start all over again? I think so. I think we've all come to that place. We've all done things we wish we didn't. We've all said things we wish we could take back. Uh, we've all been involved in things we're totally ashamed of. We've all been connected to people we should not have. And we wonder, is there any way to get a do-over? You know, as I'm preparing a Bible study, many, many years ago, I stopped using paper. I open up my laptop. I get an empty page on Microsoft Word. I open up my Bible program, and that's how I start. And I just type away, type away, type away. If I make a mistake, there's a button on my keyboard that helps me with mistakes. I just hit delete, delete. If it's a little mistake, I can just go delete, delete, really. But if it's a big one, I can actually highlight a whole paragraph. And one click of the button, it's disappeared. Wouldn't it be great to have a delete button in life? <laughs> but there's not. You can't highlight paragraphs of your life and not make them disappear. They're done. They're in the books, if you will. There's nothing that we can do to change them. A better question to ask is not, would I rather have a delete button in life? But how about this? A better question to ask is, can I be forgiven for the mistakes of my past? And the answer is, Yes. Can I be forgiven for my failures? Can I be forgiven for my sins? Yes. You can't change your past any more than you can unscramble an egg. But hopefully I can learn from my past. I can learn from my mistakes. I can learn from your mistakes. I can learn from my parents' mistakes. And I can make a choice to do it differently going forward. I can apply what Paul said. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, I press on. Oh, it's not that those things didn't happen. And it's not that those things in our past would not leave an indelible mark. But that they won't hold us back. That they won't tether us to the past. That although our past can be painful, harmful, difficult, we have the God who works all things together for the good. We have a God that even though something was evil meant toward us, God's meaning it for good to bring it about as it is this day. All the pains, all the hurts, all the injustices, all those feelings are just cries in our heart for the coming city whose builder and maker is God and not man. You won't find the kind of satisfaction you're looking for in this pilgrimage. It will always leave you, it will always leave you wanting more. 
it will always leave you wanting another world. Some of you today need a second chance. Some of you today need a second chance. Your marriage is falling apart. Your life is in tatters. You've made some very wrong decisions that have led you down a path that you're not happy with. Maybe you find yourself addicted to drugs. Perhaps you're trapped as an alcoholic. You're involved in an immoral lifestyle. You're starting to hang around with people that are changing the way you view God. Maybe none of these devastating things are in your life today. However, you're looking at episodes in your life that you wish you could change. And today is the day you can change. You might even be in a place where you say, it is, I'm so far gone, Ed, that I could never change. The sum of the bad decisions I've made in life are so far that I could never change. People get to that place. They get to that place where they look at their life and they think, you know what? I hear what you're saying, pastor. I hear what you're saying, mom. I hear what you're saying, dad, but you don't understand. If I choose to get my life right, it's going to be a very painful path because I'm going to have to go to this person and ask them, and I'm going to have to go pay this back, and I'm going to have to, and, and you know what? You start to, you, you convince yourself, and the Bible calls that you're self-deceived in thinking that your current condition is less painful than the right, the right decision that will put you in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. And I'm telling you right now, you will, you will want in your life forever until the Lord comes back, you will want the consequences of obedience above the consequences of disobedience every day of the week. You are not in a good place if you refuse to make the changes that God is requiring of you. You're not in a good place. It's not getting better. It will be more painful. It is wiser to take the chance today that God is extending to you. Sure, maybe you're not a deep alcoholic. Maybe that's not you today. But you've ta started down that path. You've started drinking. And I'm certain if you look back to when you started, you're drinking more than when you started. You start with one thing and it just progresses because your body's never satisfied. Oh, maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe, maybe you're in the realm of drugs and you're like, well, you know what, I just, it's, it's legal now. So, you know, I just started, I just started. And you know, I, I just started smoking pot. It is not going to end there. Your body will crave more and more and more. And when you can't afford it, you'll go to a cheaper thing and a cheaper thing. And before you know it, you go, Ed, come on, you're being, you're being exaggerated here. Not for some. Before you know it, you'll be strung out on heroin. They go, oh, come on, Ed. No, no, there are testimonies of such. Believe me. Believe me when I say that. Trust me as I beg you and as I warn you. Whatever it is, God is offering you a second chance today especially those of you as parents. Because you know the message that we shared, I know there's two topics. There's a few more than two, but there's two topics that have a tendency to really stir us up. One is prayer, because we can all pray more. So if I teach a Bible study on prayer, you're like, oh man, I know I need to pray more. I don't pray enough. And you could easily leave beating yourself up. The other one, parenting. I mean, there isn't a parent among us that, that we can't look back and go, oh man, I wish I didn't do it that way. Or man, I wish I would have done it differently. I mean, trust me, everyone that has a parent here today, we all carry these things around like, yeah, I wish I would have done it differently, but I can't change it now. I did the best that I could 
with the resources and the tools that I had. And I'm a little more older now, a little more wiser now. I've got a little more tools in my toolbox now. And so I would do it differently. And here we are. God is asking you not to take the conviction of the Holy Spirit and turn it into self-condemnation. Self-condemnation. What, a way of understanding self-condemnation is that you beat yourself up for your failures. That does nothing. It just keeps you stuck. You beat yourself up. You, you live in shame. You, you, take, you can take, you and I, we could take the conviction of the Spirit and actually turn it into shame. You see, conviction, the conviction of the Spirit just says, you did wrong. You did wrong. You did wrong. And who, which one of us can't say, of course, I did wrong. I'm sorry. But shame is the belief that you are wrong. And for every believer, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We no longer have to live in guilt and shame because God has saved us and forgiven us and cleansed us and washed us as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed us from our sin. It could just be, you can't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself as a parent because of your failures. That doesn't honor God. Sitting around feeling sorry for yourself is not going to enable you to take the second chance of God. He's ready to raise you up. He's ready to do a new work in you. He's ready to restore. He's ready to reconcile. But he can't do that in your life without your cooperation, without your submission and surrender. We come to John chapter 3 here because there may be those here today that need to not only need a second chance in life, but they actually need the big second chance, the big one, the only important one. Come to John chapter 3. The big second chance in life is that although you're separated from God by your sin, that you're dead spiritually in your trespasses and sin, God has made a way for you to have a second chance in life. There are no second chances after death. Understand that. Your eternity, the direction of your entire eternal life is made while you're alive. So if you're breathing right now and you can understand me, this is the time to take this chance. And it comes to us from this visit from a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very religious man, very successful in all that he experienced up to this point. But there was an emptiness in him. And he heard about Jesus, heard that he was Messiah, and wanted to come to him with questions. And so he does. And we want to thank Nicodemus. So when you get to heaven and you're looking at all the lines and you find Nicodemus' line and you're there in line to meet him, when you get there, say, thank you for talking to Jesus and asking those questions. Because it's in answer to the questions of Nicodemus that we have some of the most beautiful, memorable truths that Jesus ever taught. The first one's in John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3, where he tells Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is vital and important when it comes to second chances and third chances of origin. That is so important to understand. You will not experience the life of God. You will not experience the joy of God. You will not receive the forgiveness of God unless you're born again. That puts us outside of the realm. That puts it outside of your ability. It has to be God. It's His work. God alone saves. It's not your baptism. It's not your confirmation. It's not how much you read the Bible. It's not how much you pray. It's not how moral you are or anything that we measure. The only way to enjoy God is to be born again. And 
The only way to be born again, well, notice in verse 16 now. Out of the 32,000 verses in the Bible, this has to be top dog in what is memorable and remembered and memorized and known by people worldwide every generation. Jesus said to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the good news, the gospel in one verse. Those of you struggling, well, I understand. I want to connect with my friends and I want to, but what do I say? If all you know is John 3, 16, it's enough for someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have time to unpack it, but I do want to give you some highlights of how important this verse is. And you go back to, the, to our app and listen to the study when I unpack this. But I, I want to give you the essence of this particular truth in John 3, 16. There's six things you see here. Number one, you see the source of salvation. It's God. He initiated it. Number two, you see the seriousness of your human condition. That God loved you so much that he sent someone to save you from your sins. That's how much he loves you. So you see the source. You see the seriousness. Thirdly, you see the object of salvation. You. You're the object of salvation. The world. That that means everyone that's living is the object of God's salvation. Church, don't you let anyone ever come to you with this man-made, made-up doctrine that's totally a man-made doctrine that says Jesus Christ only died for a select group of people and everyone else is goners. That's not true. Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died for you individually, collectively. Not just for one. Oh, Jesus, there's a doctrine that says Jesus only died for the elect. It's not true. He died for everyone. The elect are those that repented of their sins and received the Lord Jesus Christ. You go, how do I know if I'm elect? Great question. Repent of your sins today and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you to your face, welcome to the family of God, elect. Don't you believe it? The object of, don't you believe people when they say only a few people? Because that will make you feel like, well, I'm not good enough. I'll never make it. Who am I? I know I'm not elect. I'm messed up. No, Jesus died for messed up people like me and like you. And he invites you. Number four, not only source, seriousness, object. Number four, the demonstration. The demonstration of of the gospel where God so loved that he was moved to send The demonstration, Jesus Christ dying on the cross. While we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for the ungodly. Number five, the offer. The offer. God's love goes out to all who will receive it. And then finally, the requirement. The requirement, salvation is given, but it must be received. It must be received. It's a gift. Some people think of God as an angry, vengeful deity who's just out to ruin your fun and destroy your life. That's not true. God loves you. And he loves you more than any person that's ever loved you. He's loved you so much that he gave his son an eternal life. And he extends it to you today as a gift. A gift. And what do we do with gifts? We receive them. We open them. We enjoy them. Well, God says this, no matter how you open a gift, receive it. This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. Catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. 
You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Penned on a train from Illinois to Texas, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer has proven to be helpful to anyone longing for a deeper experience with God. This book is a modest attempt, Tozer wrote, to aid God's children so to find Him. If you're hungry, the pursuit of God will lead you to the only one who can satisfy the soul. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Ordering resources is easier than ever now through our e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and are not interested in the pick of the month, you could just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 